Apollo the German Shepherd Dog came to the rescue of thousands of people after the 2001 attack on the World Trade Center in New York. Together with his handler, Peter Davis, this famous German Shepherd Dog was the first rescue dog to arrive at the Fallen Towers. The pair spent over 18 hours on a search and rescue mission to retrieve survivors and bodies from the debris. Apollo received the Dickin Medal for Bravery. Welcome to the Pets Weekly Podcast. If you are a returning viewer or listener, thank you so much for coming back. If you are new, welcome to the podcast. My name is Lindy and I will be your host every week as we discuss all things pets. Today is exciting because we are diving into one of the most well-known and popular breeds of dog, the beautiful, regal, and hard-working German Shepherd Dog, also known as the GSD, and playfully but accurately referred to as the German Super Dog. Why a Super Dog, you may ask? Because these dogs are a triple threat when it comes to versatility. They are physically powerful, they are highly intelligent, and they are extremely empathetic to the world and people around them. A lot of people think that the actual breed is simply called German Shepherd, which makes sense. That is how most other breeds of dog are named. However, the official full name of the breed is the German Shepherd Dog. Just a quick disclaimer, any generalizations that I make about breeds, ages, temperaments, or behaviors are simply that. They're just generalizations. These are things that are typically seen. In no way do these generalizations cover every dog and pet parent. Everyone is going to have a different situation. And just like people, dogs are individuals. They all have their own likes, dislikes, fears, personalities, etc. Now let's dive into this episode. According to the AKC, also known as the American Kennel Club, the average size of a German Shepherd is 50 to 70 pounds for a female and 65 to 90 pounds for a male. A female German Shepherd may stand at a height of 22 to 24 inches, and a male may stand at a height of 24 to 26 inches. The average life expectancy of the GSD is not nearly long enough, at approximately 7 to 10 years. The AKC recognized the German Shepherd dog as a breed in 1908. It is incredible to think that we have had this gorgeous dog as a companion for 114 years. These dogs were bred to herd livestock, thus they were put into the herding group. The GSD comes in many color variations. Some of the most common are black and cream, black and red, black and tan, black and silver, all white, and all black. 
1899, a cavalry officer from the German countryside was in need of a German shepherd dog that could work on his large farm. His name was Captain Max Emil Friedrich von Steffens. I will be referring to him as Max for this episode. He went to one of Germany's largest dog shows in April of 1899 with his good friend Arthur Meyer in search of the perfect herding dog. He had recently purchased a massive estate in Graffith and planned to raise the perfect sheepdogs there. At the dog show, he spent a lot of time talking to different breeders and observing the various herding breed type dogs that were in attendance. His search ended when he set eyes on a dog with a very distinguished human name, Hector Linkshrine. Hector was four years old at the time and had various wolf-like characteristics that Max found very appealing. Hector was highly intelligent and had a strong depth of character that confirmed that he was the perfect dog for Max. Max paid 200 German gold marks and purchased the dog on the spot. Hector's name was changed to Harand Max Graffith, an even more distinguished name. Max stated that Harand was a gentleman with boundless zest for living. With a new name for his distinguished gentleman herding dog, the German Shepherd dog breed was born. In a month, Max founded the first German Shepherd Dog Club, and he began breeding the dog to be what he believed was the most beautiful, hard-working, and intelligent of all herding breeds. He referred to Harand, the first GSD, as being absolute perfection. A breeder from Frankfurt assisted Max in the creation of the German Shepherd Dog. His name was Friedrich Sparwasser, and he focused on the style of the ears and the wolf-like body that people are drawn to today. Max went on the record explaining how important it is to only get this breed if the breed has a way to release his or her energy, and that they are loving and special, but are a highly demanding breed of dog. So many people nowadays get a GSD or a GSD mix, and they know they require a ton of exercise, but they do not provide the dog with what he or she needs. They just like the way that the dog looks, so they go ahead and purchase the dog anyways. Then the dog develops behavioral issues and then ends up in a shelter, which is a very bad place for any dog, but especially for a high-strung breed like the German Shepherd dog. The problem behaviors, which are actually the dog naturally trying to release pent-up frustration and energy, only worsen in the shelter setting. It is a terrible and endless cycle. Yet, breeders are still breeding the German Shepherd dog at alarming rates and giving them to whoever offers the most money. The entirety of the reason for the breed being created in the first place has all but been lost, in the United States especially. Very few pet parents adopt or buy a GSD because the dog will have a productive job on a farm or be a full-time police dog or a search and rescue dog or be a service dog. Makes me wonder what Max would have to say if he could see what has become of the precious breed he was so proud of creating.
Max was known for standing up for the braid when those would want the braid as only a showpiece, as he would bitterly call them. He did not like this term, and he did not like the idea of the breed not being utilized for what they were bred to do. It was simply not fair to the dog. I'd like to read an excerpt from an interview with Max when he discussed Harand specifically and the breed as a whole. The best way to understand Max is to hear his own thoughts straight from his mouth. Quote, Although untrained in his puppyhood, nevertheless obedient to the slightest nod when at his master's side, but when left to himself, the maddest rascal, the wildest ruffian, and an incorrigible provoker of strife. End quote. Continuing the trend of utilizing this super dog as a working dog, GSDs were used as war dogs in World War I from 1914 to 1918, and later in World War II from 1939 to 1945. German Shepherd dogs were part of the first canine corps and were loaned to the German army by Max. He believed in the breed's abilities and knew what they were capable of. The German army was not disappointed, and from that moment on, GSDs were used for more than just World War I and II. They were used as police dogs. Word spread and other countries began to recognize the breed's potential. Starting in World War I, the German military used German Shepherd dogs as messengers ammunition carriers, and sentries. A sentry is a lookout that refuses access to certain areas, so the dogs would stand guard and keep enemies out of restricted areas. Also, this is when the GSD began getting noticed for other forms of service that included helping injured soldiers to safety. The dogs would lead blinded and severely injured soldiers out of the battlefield so that they could either wait for a chance to receive medical attention in a hidden area, or medical attention was able to find them. There were many injured and blinded soldiers that were later paired with German Shepherds as service dogs to help them through daily life. The first seeing eye dog was in fact a German Shepherd dog. In World War II, the U.S. jumped on the GSD wagon and, like Germany, began training their own German Shepherds to be used as service dogs, police dogs, and, of course, military war dogs. The U.S. deployed these brave canines as guard dogs and search and rescue dogs. In 1942, the U.S. established five training camps for military dogs and accepted 32 breeds of dog for training. By 1944, that list was drastically decreased to only seven breeds of dog, German Shepherds, Doberman Pinschers, Belgian Sheepdogs, Siberian Huskies, Farm Collies, Eskimo Dogs, and Malamutes. Now added to that list is the Labrador Retriever, Bloodhound, and the Belgian Malinois. According to the Military Working Dog Team Support Association, quote, Training for dogs at these canine camps lasted between 8 and 12 weeks and consisted of basic training to get the dogs accustomed to military life. 
After this initial 12-week training period, the dogs would go on to a specialized training course in one of four areas. Sentry dog training, scout or patrol dog training, messenger dog training, or mine detection dog training. After successful completion of the specialized training, the dogs and their handlers would be organized into war dog platoons, and during the course of World War II, the military deployed 15 war dog platoons to the European and Pacific theaters of war. Seven served in the European theater and eight in the Pacific theater. It has been said that while on patrol in the Pacific theater with a war dog platoon, that no units were ever ambushed thanks to the canines assigned to those units. Many of the dogs trained and deployed during World War II were German Shepherd dogs." End quote. War dogs consisting of mostly GSDs went on to assist the military in the Korean War and Vietnam War. It was discovered that the Vietnamese military was dumping these war dogs after the war and leaving them to fend for themselves. When the public found out about this, there was anger amongst multiple countries at how these warriors and heroes that served their country were left alone and without any care. It took all the way up until November of 2000 for a U.S. president to sign a bill that allowed for the adoption of retired war dogs to knowledgeable and qualified citizens and former canine handlers. Dogs are not tools or war equipment. They are living and breathing beings. It is a shame that it took so long for a bill to be passed for war dogs, and it is even sadder that a bill even had to be formed and that the dogs weren't treated properly to begin with. They are partners. They are soldiers. They are brave, loyal, and they deserve to retire in comfort with dignity and respect. So far, we have discussed the history of the German Shepherd and how the GSD became the loyal and strong dog that we know today. We also touched on their brave and hardworking spirit that makes them so fiercely loved and adored. Now we are going to discuss some of the GSD's common health issues that a pet parent may experience as their German Shepherd ages. There are some common ailments and conditions to look for in your aging German Shepherd. Like other dogs, these Shepherds are not removed from diseases and genetic defects. Sadly, the mass breeding of the German Shepherd dog has led to these conditions and diseases becoming much more prevalent through the years and causing these health issues to affect the GSD much earlier in life. Some of these health concerns are degenerative myelopathy, elbow dysplasia, hip dysplasia, and another common condition among the GSD and large breed dogs is bloat. Let's talk about what these conditions are and what to look for specifically as your dog ages. Every breed is predisposed to certain types of conditions and ailments and diseases as they age. No matter where you get the dog from, whether you adopt or purchase from a breeder, every dog is predisposed to certain health issues. 
it's important to do your research into the breed or the mix of breeds that you're interested in before bringing them into your home so that you know what to expect. It's also part of committing to your dog and being willing and financially able to support your dog through all life changes and well into their senior years. It is just part of being a responsible pet parent. The first common GSD health concern we are going to talk about is degenerative myelopathy, also known as DM, which is a neurological disease and can be genetically inherited but it is not fully understood why it occurs, so the specific and exact cause is unknown. This disease was first recognized in 1973. The degeneration affects the spinal cord, and it is unfortunately a progressive disease, meaning that the disease will continue to worsen throughout the dog's life. The typical age that DM can occur is approximately 8 years of age and older. However, there have been some cases reported at even earlier ages, such as 5 years old, but thankfully this is more uncommon. Some of the first signs of DM are a loss of coordination in both back legs or just in one leg to begin with. There is evidence that shows that the progression takes place in six months to a year. The dog may be unable to stand or move his or her hind area after this time has elapsed, and this disease can also lead to incontinence. It is a relatively slow progression at first that may show very subtle symptoms, so it is important to take your dog to see your vet right away if you notice any changes in your GSD's hind legs. This goes for any dog for that matter. After the mild stages of the disease may give you some subtle signs something is not right, the changes will become much more obvious as time passes and we approach the six month to one year mark. Difficulty exercising and doing daily activities will begin to take hold and this decreases the muscle strength and range of motion in the hind area. Some common signs around this time are stumbling or knuckling of the back feet without the dog correcting his or herself, essentially not realizing that their foot is bending onto the knuckles. Another symptom that is common is anxiety. In the late stages, if progression is allowed to continue, all four legs will become affected and complete paralysis will occur, therefore dissolving the dog's quality of life completely. When paralysis of the hind legs occurs initially, incontinence will be present as well. Any dog that has incontinence must be kept clean at all times. It is very important to keep an incontinent pet clean to avoid discomfort and infections. This will require diaper changes if diapers are used and washing bedding regularly. Unfortunately, the only definitive way to diagnose this disease is through an examination of the spinal cord after the dog passes away. However, your vet can diagnose this condition when symptoms become present. There are tests that can diagnose degenerative myelopathy while your dog is still alive. 
These tests may include, but are not limited to, a DNA test to check for a mutated gene that is known to carry the disease, blood tests to rule out other health concerns, imaging such as a CT scan or an MRI to see what is going on inside of your dog's body. Both are more sensitive than x-rays, also known as radiographs, so they are usually the go-to when there are concerns about degenerative myelopathy. A dog that is suffering from weakness in the hind area and sudden incontinence issues may benefit from a collection and an analysis of cerebrospinal fluid, which can be obtained by a lumbar puncture. Analysis of this fluid can help a veterinarian determine if the dog is suffering from an inflammatory disease in the spinal cord. As of December 2022, there is no known cure for DM, although there are ways to improve a dog's quality of life that is suffering from degenerative myelopathy. Assistive and comfort equipment is a must as degeneration progresses. Ensure your dog has a comfortable and supportive bed that is high quality. Also, booties or toe grips can allow your dog to have more control over their movements, especially on tile, laminate, or wood floors. Most importantly, for any dog experiencing a lack of control in his or her hind legs, a cart is a fantastic way to give your fuzzy friend independence, mental stimulation, and exercise. It is easier and more affordable than ever to acquire a custom-made cart for a dog experiencing hind leg mobility issues. Physiotherapy can bring your dog a lot of comfort. This type of therapy focuses on massage, heat therapy, and physical therapy. These three things can make a huge difference for most dogs that are suffering from DM and other mobility difficulties. They all help with blood flow and gaining muscle strength, and they all provide comfort to a dog that really needs extra attention and TLC. Exercise and physical therapy help keep a dog engaged in daily life, and it keeps them from becoming bored and depressed, which improves their overall quality of life. There are a variety of other breeds that are affected by this awful genetic disease, and some, but not all of those, are Siberian Huskies, Collies, Boxers, Small and Large Poodles, Welsh Corgi Pembrokes, Welsh Corgi Cardigans, a variety of retrieving breeds, Borzois, Shetland Sheepdogs, American Eskimo Dogs, Bernese Mountain Dogs, a variety of Terrier breeds, Pugs, and Rhodesian Ridgebacks. DM is also seen in mixed breed dogs as well, just not as at a high of rate as purebred dogs. The jury is still out on the exact figure. Numbers vary by country and veterinary institutions, but studies have shown that 17 to 26 percent of German Shepherd dogs develop degenerative myelopathy at some point in their life. The next condition that may affect a German Shepherd dog is elbow or hip dysplasia. Dysplasia is sadly seen in a lot of large breed dogs. 
GSDs are at a high risk for this genetic disease. Again, it is not understood why it happens specifically. We still have more to learn, but it does appear to be genetic. According to the Orthopedic Foundation for Animals, as of December 2022, 20.6% of German Shepherds suffer from hip dysplasia and 18.8% suffer from elbow dysplasia. There are different variations of these conditions and severities that make this figure approximate and unable to be pinned down. So what happens to the body of a dog that is suffering from dysplasia of the elbow or hip? When dysplasia occurs, this is known as an orthopedic disease and it affects the joints. Typically, two bones meet at a joint. If either the ball or socket of a bone grows at a different rate than the other, this can lead to dysplasia. Some common symptoms of dysplasia in the elbow or hip may include, but are not limited to, a hopping gait when walking or running, lameness, limping, swelling, loss of muscle in the infected area, wobbling when trying to rise from sitting or lying down, shortened stride when walking, losing balance while going potty, difficulty jumping on furniture or climbing stairs, and less enthusiastic about exercising or playing fetch or going for walks. Not all but most breeds that are at a high risk of dysplasia are large breed dogs. Some of the most common other than the German Shepherd dog are a variety of retrieving breeds, English Setters, the English Springer Spaniel, Rottweilers, St. Bernards, Great Danes, Mastiffs, Boxers, Bernese Mountain Dogs, Chow Chows, Chinese Sharpays, Newfoundlands, and unfortunately many more large breed dogs. Pugs, Basset Hounds, and Bulldogs may be smaller than a Boxer, for example, but they do develop hip dysplasia at a higher rate as well. There are ways to prevent hip dysplasia in some dogs or slow down the progress of dysplasia. The number one way to help your dog is to control your dog's weight. No matter what breed you have in your life, weight gain is the silent killer. When it comes to bone and joint problems, any extra weight, any at all, is going to cause issues. As an overweight or obese dog ages, these problems will only worsen. A dog that is even a couple of pounds overweight has a very high likelihood of developing chronic pain issues as they age. Humans can put on a couple or a few pounds here and there, and it doesn't weigh us down too bad. But dogs and cats, on the other hand, they're not like humans in this way. Any added weight can lead to serious health problems and health issues that cause issues with bones and joints, even if your dog is not predisposed to issues with bones and joints. That added weight can really cause a lot of problems. I will be making an episode on nutrition, reading pet food labels, and avoiding or reversing obesity in dogs and cats sometime in the near future. There is so much to discuss, so we will have to save that for a later episode.
When it comes to helping a dog dealing with joint and bone issues, there are a variety of supplements that can make a big difference in their quality of life. Chondroitin and glucosamine are natural chemicals that are already found in the body. A supplement containing one or both is easily obtainable, and that boost in those chemicals in the body may help keep the cartilage in the body healthy. Fish oils are another very common supplement that can be found anywhere you buy pet supplies. Fish oils or omega-3 fatty acids protect the joints and come in many forms that your dog is sure to find appetizing. You can also get a prescription from your vet for certain antioxidants that prevent the production of free radicals in the body that lead to joint damage. With any supplements, even ones that humans can take, it is best to use a brand that makes the supplements specifically for dogs. This way you will know exactly how much to give your dog and you will know that all of the ingredients, including the inactive ingredients, are safe for your dog to take. Most supplements for dogs are also in a form that is appealing to dogs. Supplements may come in a meaty treat or a flavored paste, yummy powder that can be sprinkled on your dog's food, a broth-based liquid, and so much more. Just do your research and go with well-known companies that offer a refund policy if your dog isn't crazy about a particular form of supplement. They may also offer exchanges so that you can try a different form to see if your dog prefers that instead. Before adding any supplements or vitamins to your dog's daily routine, make sure that you speak with your vet first to make sure that it is a good addition for your dog. There are other changes you can make to your dog's environment that can make a positive impact in their life. High-quality orthopedic dog beds are an excellent way to provide your achy canine companion with a comfortable and supportive way to sleep at night and nap during the day. In moderate to severe cases that do not respond to supplements, exercise modification, or weight reduction, surgery or prescription medications may be required to give the dog a good quality of life. It is so important that you seek advice from a veterinarian if you suspect any changes in your dog's body. The earlier you catch health issues, the sooner you can help your dog and ensure they receive the proper treatment and care before the disease, illness, or condition worsens. Animals don't have a voice, so it is critical that all pet parents advocate for their pets. The last health issue we will discuss today that affects the German Shepherd dog and other large breed dogs is bloat. JustGermanShepherds.com explained bloat very well so I would like to share how they describe the condition so that we can better understand what bloat is and how to prevent it and how to treat it. I will link the article in the description section of this episode. And also in this article, you can find an extensive list of symptoms of bloat if you're interested in educating yourself on the topic further. The article on JustGermanShepherds.com explains the following, quote, What is bloat? 
bloat is a serious, life-threatening condition, particularly in large dogs. German shepherds with their deep chests are particularly susceptible to bloat. Bloat is often caused by the swallowing of air, however food and liquid can contribute. When bloat happens, the stomach fills with gas and often twists, cutting off the blood supply to the gut. This then stops gas and food from leaving the stomach. As the gases in the stomach increase, this can stop the blood from returning to the heart, sending a dog into shock. If the stomach twists, this will drag the pancreas along with which cuts off the blood supply to the organ. Without oxygen, the pancreas produces incredibly toxic hormones that can target the heart and stop it from beating. It is not uncommon for a German Shepherd to go through successful veterinary treatment for bloat and seem out of danger, only for the heart to suddenly stop." End quote. Thankfully, there are ways to prevent bloat in large breed dogs. If you find that your dog eats quickly and tends to inhale their food instead of tasting their food, a mental stimulation feeding toy will help slow your dog down. They will have to figure out how to get their food by rolling a ball around and waiting for kibble to fall out of a hole in the ball. Or they have a toy that uses their nose and paws to open little doors or push open secret crevices where their food is hiding. There are also slow feeders that look like mazes, and that will help slow down fast eaters. And snuffle mats are available, which are one of my favorite things. Snuffle mats are the equivalent of fabricated tall grass that your dog has to nose his or her way through to find food at the base of the mat. Anyone who has a dog in their life should research these different toys and consider getting one or a couple for their dog. Not only does it slow down speed eaters, but it is a great way to drain energy, keep your dog busy, provide mental stimulation, and build confidence. Most of all, it is just fun for your dog, no matter the age or breed, to work to find their food. It is a natural skill that all dogs have, and they enjoy the challenge and reward. Another way to make mealtime better for your GSD when it comes to bloat is to avoid elevated feeders. Purdue University, along with other studies, has shown that the probability of bloat increased substantially when an elevated feeder was used. This is tricky because there are other medical conditions, such as one associated with pain in the back and legs, where an elevated feeder station could be beneficial, so it is best to ask your vet what they recommend for your particular dog. For all large breeds of dog, limit exercise after a meal by at least one hour to avoid bloat. Some symptoms of bloat include a distended stomach, or enlargement of the abdomen, drooling, dry heaving or retching, rapid breathing, and restlessness. Thankfully, veterinarians have learned a lot about treating bloat in the last decade, so the survival rate is much higher than it used to be. 
If you suspect bloat, it is vital to your dog's well-being to take them to the vet or the emergency vet immediately so that your vet can provide them with life-saving treatment as soon as symptoms arise. German Shepherds are magnificent dogs. They can make an excellent addition to a family or individual that has what it takes to keep them happy, healthy, and safe for their entire life. This is not a breed for the average person due to their high energy levels, work ethic, and intelligence, but for the right person or family, the German Shepherd dog can be the perfect fit. Do your research and, above all, ask yourself if you are a good fit for the breed that you are interested in bringing home. If you are thinking about bringing a GSD into your life or a GSD mix, please, please, please consider adoption. There are hundreds of German Shepherd breed-specific rescues in the U.S., with so many special German Shepherds of all ages waiting for a forever home. Due to the experience and knowledge that is required to be a pet parent to a German Shepherd, you can easily find one in a local shelter or rescue near you. Please consider adopting or fostering a GSD and help ease the pet overpopulation crisis and reduce euthanasia rates. Be part of the solution, not the problem. If you are a viewer on YouTube who enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe. And if you are a listener, please consider following the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts for new episodes every week where I bring you all things pets. We now have Pets Weekly merch, and you can find the link in the description of this episode. I worked very hard on the designs. Two of them are of my own personal animals that have passed away. I would love for you to take a look at them and see their sweet little faces. You can find the YouTube video link for this episode in the description along with all of the references I used throughout my research. Please follow the podcast on Instagram at Pets Weekly Podcast for episode announcements and general podcast updates. The podcast is brought to you by Sunshine's Pet Services, where I offer in-home pet services in Florida and virtual dog behavior consultations to every pet parent in the U.S. For more information about my services, please visit sunshinespetservices.com. Until we meet again, I challenge you to wake up in the morning and ask yourself, how you can make your pet's life better every day. Thank you for joining me and I will see you soon.